together in Ephesians. We got through two whole verses last week, so we're going we're gonna to make a big jump today. I was convicted that we're going slow, so we're going to increase by 50%. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Title this, No More Caricatures, and I'll show you why. If I were to show you a picture from my past, you would understand the, the content of the picture, but you wouldn't really understand the picture well. I feel bad for our Zoom folk here today because they'll see me coming and going. You'd get the, the picture points, but you wouldn't know what was going on. Now, if you sort of knew me well, you might have a, a good guess, but you'd have to know my, my whole context, my, my whole family history to land the picture properly. I'll give you an example. This is a picture that came off my phone. I'll show these folks first. And then I'll, I'll walk it around. And what you see in here is a, a trailer behind a car with a mop bucket and a wheelchair with the leg extenders out on the wheelchair. I mean, so it, it's obvious what's going on in the picture, right? A trailer emptied off with a mop bucket and a wheelchair with the leg extenders out. So you, you can make a story up for this, right? Well, pastor was at the nursing home, and he decided to take someone for a ride, but didn't want that, that, that old person smelling the car, so he put him on the trailer. And he thought they'd mop up the church. And because it was at a church, there was a healing that took place, and they rose up out of the wheelchair. You don't think that's what happened? You have, you have no idea what happened in this picture. You can make up a story, but you lose context, you lose history, who knows what you're talking about. There is a story behind that, maybe for another time. This is kind of like a photo album. So imagine that there was a family photo album that had pictures from the beginning all the way to the present, even to the end somehow, but we'll lose that part for my illustration. And imagine the photos were designed to be explained to generation after generation to let people know what this family is, how we became a part of it, for what we exist. But if you pulled out one picture at a time, you'd make a mess because you need the context, you need the history, you need the flow. Well, what we do often is we make a, a distortion or a caricature of God. We look at a, a picture in the family album and we take it out of context and then we try to explain it. What does that sound like? Well, God is love. That's a picture we get in the family photo album. But what does that mean? Well, let me tell you what I think. And I don't want to know what you think it means. I want to know what does it mean in the context of Scripture. If God is love and love is blind, you know Ray Charles is God, and that can't be, amen? Well, sometimes you come to things like predestination. 
verse 5, and we make a, a caricature like nobody's ever, ever seen of what God is like in light of predestination. Well, let's put the picture in the context of the album, flow it through the history that God gives us in his word, and see why God is sharing this with us today. Let's put it in the grand narrative of Scripture. As we look at this family book, Bible is primarily given, its intended audience is God's people. You do know that. There's a second intended audience of the lost, but the primary audience of the Bible are God's people. It's God's revelation of who he is. And we're called, Matthew 28, to teach one another of all that God has commanded us. So it's a trip through the family photo album, if you will. So let's look at it. And let's see where we might have distorted God and how to see him more clearly. We sang a few songs today. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. <coughs> what are we praising him for? The last song, right? From him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory forever and ever. To God be the glory forever. Amen. Notice our text has bookend praises. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. Why do we praise God? There are two errors we have here. One is the kingly praise. You ever watch a, a newscast where a monarch comes in? They speak in old English. Hear ye, hear ye, the king has arrived. Everybody gets up and you, long live the king, right? It's because of his kingliness, the king is praised. Well, if we just praise God for his kingliness, we're missing a whole lot. It's not less than, it's more than. The other side is we praise God because he gives us what we want. Praise God, I got my... Right? What do we, so it's a trick question to see what I'm doing. What can we praise God for? Gave me what I wanted. Well, there, there's an appropriateness to that, but there's more. It's not less. There's more. And Paul's starting Ephesians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit with a bookend praise. And I mean, it's kind of high praise to the praise of his glorious grace. And you'll see this theme run through Ephesians, but in particular on the front end of Ephesians. It's written to believers struggling with life in a fallen world in a hostile culture. We see a bookend praise, and then we have verse 5. He predestined us. Do you want to have a conversation about predestination? Everybody grab your cigar and we'll get smoke in the air. We'll make it a real robust theological conversation. Well... I don't believe in predestination. See, there's a whosoever gospel office. So whosoever shall believe, it can't be predestined by God, for then people would have no choice. Aha, aha, you don't know what you're saying, you arrogant bloke. Obviously there's predestination, it says it right here in verse 5. You're arrogant in your theology. I am not arrogant, you're a blind fool if you believe it. You can go back and forth. How do you come to be saved? Turn to God and be saved. All the ends of it. it doesn't say 
If God's predestined you, you'll be saved. Otherwise, you're doomed. But does God choose those he saves? It says right here, he does. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. You know what predestined means? Predestined. Hey, grammar, Keith. It means he chose us before the foundation of the world. And in our arrogant, fallen minds, we try to explain it. It don't need no explaining, folks. It's fact A is true, fact B is true, and they fit perfectly together before God, so don't you worry about reconciling it. It's never about a theological conundrum. Can God make a rock too heavy for himself to pick up? You ever have that question? How would you answer that? Can God make a rock too heavy for himself to pick up? Here's the answer. That's a stupid question. It's a stupid question. It's a philosophical conundrum designed to be unanswerable. Predestination is a beautiful doctrine that should lead us to praise God's glorious grace. So I'm sure you all do this often. Oh, predestination to the praise of his glory and grace. I hope you will when we're done. So look at, look at what's going on here. It's a marvelous doctrine, but it's a revelation given to God's people to give us comfort, joy, and peace. So listen, it's given to God's people. This is not a conversation for the lost. I'm here to share the gospel with you. Are you predestined? Are you part of the elect? Huh? No, you're going to hell. Try this next one. Are you predestined? Why, I believe I am. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. If that's your evangelistic technique, please stop. But if you're saved, and you're living in a big, scary world, where people are antagonistic to the gospel, where you mess up and stumble and sin, and sometimes horribly, I have good news for you. God chose you in him, listen to this, before the foundation of the world. Hang on to this for a minute. I'm only talking to believers here. He chose you in him before the foundation of the world. So sometimes people will say, when were you saved? February 29th. Careful. When did God choose to save you, if you're saved? Before the foundation of the world. Dan Fogelberg has a song. I will not sing it, but I'll read some lyrics from it. Longer than there have been fishes in the ocean, higher than any bird ever flew, longer than there have been stars in the heavens, I've been in love with you. That is predestination. Longer than there have been fishes in the ocean. Higher than any bird ever flew. Longer than there have been stars in the heavens. The Lord says to his beloved, I've been in love with you. You want to just chew on this for a minute before we get running at life real hard? If you are saved, do you realize 
that God chose you before the foundation of the world, it preceded anything you ever did. And it's not going anywhere. He chose us in him, we're going to get into that in the coming weeks, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Don't miss this. Not that we will become holy and blameless, we will, progressive sanctification, but we are positionally holy and blameless in Christ. Our shame is gone, his righteousness has come. God demanded and provided perfection, holiness, righteousness. So you may, you may look in the mirror and look at your, your decisions and your choices and your actions, and you might say, Ah, I don't deserve this. God, God can't love me. Look at what I've done. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be positionally holy and blameless before him in love. So if you're saved and you think your actions don't merit salvation, I've got news for you, they don't. But they don't cause you to lose salvation because he chose you before the foundation of the world. And he said to you, Longer than there have been fishes in the ocean, higher than every bird ever flew, longer than there have been stars in the heavens, I've been in love with you. Why would God love us? What's so lovely about us? We're not by birth. We're children of sin. We're children of Satan. We're vile creatures. But God, by his grace, chose to save a people unto himself in love. We're not even done. We're positionally holy and blameless, but we're adopted as sons. I think we so often think of God as a foster parent. We're, we're, we're on a probation period. If you don't act too stupid, I'll adopt you. But, you know, you're not a cute little six-month-old. You're a problematic, full-grown person. And if you keep it up, I'm going to put you back in the program. That's how we think of God. No, 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 no. God adopted us. God chose us before the foundation of the world, and nothing can change that. God doesn't go back on his promises. See, we, we, we think of the wrong promises first and foremost. He promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He made us children of his adopted, eternally secure in Christ. That means no matter what you do. Are you all tracking with me today? You sure? Now someone's going, but whoa, whoa, whoa. What you're saying is going to cause a believer to do whatever they want. Well, well, I'm saved by grace through faith. It doesn't matter what I do, so I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm just going to praise God that I am forgiven. I'm forgiven. Don't know the rest of the song, but I like that part. I'm forgiven because God is love. Woo-hoo! I'll sing at the wedding for a little small fee. <laughs> it's where you see the difference between a true saint and a false professor. This position leads those who are saved to joyful obedience. We're going to have a nice conversation downstairs in Sunday school. I, oh, this should be a good one. The person who, a false professor, professor, sees it as a license to sin. Let the Holy Spirit sort that out. 
Because if you can understand your sin, God's forgiveness, his adoption, your position, his love for you, and it doesn't cause you to desire to obey him, you're, you're missing the gospel. Joyful obedience is what flows from this reality of who we are. See, we left the smoky room of the theological argumentation and entered into the throne room of God where Paul is trying to take us to show us what predestination is really ultimately fully about. But don't miss this. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus according to what? The purpose of his will. This is where our language is a little, little too tight compared to the Greek. The word literally, purpose, benevolent favor of delightful fixed intention. I'll read, say that again. Benevolent favor of delightful fixed intention. It's not just that he did it. He delighted to do it, to save us, to choose us, to love us, to adopt us. I mean, just hang on to that for a minute. It's not like you had a relative who died that left you their kids and like, ah, stuck with this brat. Mm, mm -mm. We have a God who delighted to choose to save us and make us his own. This is what predestination is all about, my friends. This is, this is a, a joy and comfort for the believer. This is where we get to the good news of God saying, listen to this. I loved you before the foundation of the world. So don't doubt me now. You ever, you ever want someone to really like you? Remember when you were little? I was in kindergarten. I was meeting new kids. I remember I walked up. I had a technique to make friends. Went like this. You won't be my friend. And then, uh-huh. Like, you come to my birthday party. I still try that sometimes. People look at me funny. Sometimes you get a kid who didn't want to be your friend. You want to be my friend? No. Hurt your feelings. Like, what's wrong with you? I punch him in the nose and I got in trouble. Why would you not want to be my friend? Something we should unpack there, guys? You're awful quiet. Get a little older, right? Maybe you're in fifth, sixth grade and some, some little young lady in your class writes you a note. I got one from, from a, a girl named Macy. I remember, oh, I, I feel badly still to this day. Do you like me a little, a, a little, a lot, or not at all? Not at all. <laughs> I can't imagine. I'm sure Macy is still crying in a corner about that. We're devastated when people don't like us. Well, let's ratchet it up. You ever want somebody to love you? What happens when someone loves you back? You got that awkward, awkward dating relationship when you're getting older. I don't, I'm alone. What'd you say? What'd you say? Nothing. Nothing. Because you're scared, you tell somebody you love them, and they're like, ah, uh, not that much. Right? You ever have a, a, a proposal that flame, flames out? Will you marry me? Oh, no. Right? Could you imagine? Could you imagine? But when you ask someone to marry you and they say yes, is, is, is that not great news? Right? Laura's thinking, well, maybe 25 years down the road. Well, then, no, that's not what Laura's thinking. We want to be liked. We want to be loved. Do you know what predestination tells us? Longer than there have been fishes in the ocean, longer than there have been birds in the sky, longer than there have been stars in the heaven, God's been in love with you. He doesn't just like you. He loves you. 
Now, it's, it's interesting Paul starts here. You think, well, what are we supposed to do? Like, there's commands we got to follow. There's things we got to do. The world's falling apart. We got to be fixing things. Shh, we'll get there. Ephesians 4, we'll get there. But let's slow down before we get there and remember who we are and how we got here. Predestination. I've loved you forever, so don't doubt me now. Do you ever doubt God now? Should we make this really, really practical? Psalm 56. To the choir master according to the dove on far off terebinths, a victim of David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. little context, you remember David with the Philistines, bug-eyed and drooling. You have to go back and read the, the historical books, but he was trying to make them think he was crazy so they didn't offer him. <laughs> this day, <laughs> drooling the beard, matted down with spit. I, I think, you know, like Ricky driving on a, a motorcycle drinking Gatorade loosely, right? Just uh, his beard getting all bugs and Gatorade and stuck in his head and no goggles so his eyes are bloodshot. Like, that's what David would look like. Sorry, Ricky. I hope you didn't drive a motorcycle to church today. I'll move on. You look very, very clean and polished today. There's no... Let's just rewind and edit. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long and attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the people, O God. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I trust I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Don't take this the wrong way. This is not David going, I'm not afraid of nothing, you can't bother me. He's bug-eyed and drooling, remember? He's acting all crazy. Like, I thought you were trusting in God. Are they here? No, no, no one's here. Can you talk right? I'm freaking out. Dave, why are you, why are you freaking out? They're going to kill me. They know who I am. Do you know who they are? Look where we are. We're going to die. But, 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 but I'm trying not to lose my mind. I'm trying to remember who God is and who I am before him. I'm freaking out, but I'm predestined and I'm trying to balance it. That's what's going on. People think if you're saved, it's like, oh, I'm saved. My child died. Oh, well, God's sovereign. Stop it. 
If your child dies and you're not grieving beyond belief, you're a lying dog. But you're grieving with hope if you're in Christ. Who's afraid of something? And if you don't put up your hand, you're a lying dog. See, some of you are acting like, well, no, no, no. When I am afraid, I put my trust in God. And God, whose word I... Just first of all, be functionally honest, and then I'll explain what that means. When I'm afraid implies you're afraid, present tense verb. Aha! And what you do with your fear is you bring it to God. Here's what predestination does. It tells us in a horribly scary, big, out of control, in quotes, world, the reality of our heavenly status in Christ makes all of our earthly challenges less intimidating, even if they are not less real. Brian Chappell says that. Do you understand that? It doesn't take your challenges, your trials, your hurts, your hardships, and get rid of them, but it puts them into perspective. When you're captured, and you're afraid you're going to die, and you're acting like a crazy person to try to save your life, what can flesh do to me? Do you think David didn't know flesh could hurt him a lot? Take this to a victim of abuse. What can flesh do to me? I know you were physically beaten as a child, but, but come on, don't be afraid. Um, flesh can hit me and burn me and scare me and harm me. Yes, it can, and God knows that, and that's not what this is saying. But what this is saying is, even if that happened, understand God has seen every tear and put it in his bottle. He will make every wrong right. And he has a reason that he allows it because what man intends for evil, God will use for good. Do you want me to explain everything in detail? I can't. So what can I do? I can see God for who he truly is, myself for who I am in him, and fight like the Dickens in the power of the Holy Spirit to rest in the fact that God loved me before the foundation of the world and he hasn't stopped now no matter what. Now I'm talking about circumstances here, right? What about when you sin? Well, that's different because now you got it coming, right? No! When you sin, you don't get to stop being a child of God. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So when you sin, is he happy you sin? No. Jesus atoned for that sin. There at times is loving discipline for that sin. But your position in Christ ain't going nowhere. You can set your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Rest in him and him alone. Glorious. Complete. Habakkuk. You guys know the end of Habakkuk? I'm a little balky here to try to pull it straight out of memory, so let's, let's turn there for a little help. You know, though, though the fig tree should not blossom, no fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. What does he say? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. 
God's love precedes our accomplishments. Say that again. God's love precedes our accomplishments. You didn't earn your way in. And you ain't going to earn your way out. I'm talking to those who are saved. If you're saved, you're saved. Why? Because God chose you before the foundation of the world. If we slow down and rest in this, this is where praise comes from. Paul is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but you remember how Paul came to faith? It was through a, a parachurch ministry in Damascus. It was through a, a church that he stopped to, to join on a Sunday, the sermon he heard. No? It was on a road to try to go and destroy the church. If anyone understood they didn't deserve forgiveness and salvation, it was Paul. And the more he understood it, the more he couldn't help but marvel at the fact that God chose him before the foundation of the world, not just for a purpose of doing stuff, but for a new identity in Christ as his child in love. This is where the gospel starts. God loves you. How often do we fail to rest all the way down in that? You're not in on some technicality. You're not one of a, you know, you can picture the revelation and the heavenly, the, 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 the body of believers gathered around the throne, praising God. And You ever been in a stadium, say, with 70, 80, 90, 100,000 people? You stand on the field, you look up. It doesn't look like people. It just looks like a swarm of humanity. You catch them all at once, and you're not looking, oh, I wonder what that person's story is. Well, that, that lady looks a bit off. I wonder if she's okay. That kid looks so happy. I wonder what he, it doesn't happen. You're going so fast. I think this is where we lose it sometimes. We're not just part of a crowd. He knows the hairs on our head. He has our tears in a bottle. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We are the apple of his eye. Yes, corporately as his people, but also individually as those he has particularly chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So the problem is, if we jump ahead too fast in, in, in Ephesians, say that we decide to just jump up here and I'm like, oh, skip this one to three nonsense. Let's get to stuff. Let's talk about unity in the body because we got conflict. I mean, Jasmine cannot stand Renee, and it's time we brought that to the forefront. Not right now? I assume you know that's a joke. <laughs> At least I assume it's a joke. If not, we'll have a conversation, just the three of us after. But, or maybe we need to get to, uh, to, to verse 5, walking in love, because, you know, I'm noticing some people are not very lovey in their walkie. In order to get there, we got to start with who we are. So we start this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. What, what bless, blessings? What, what can we praise God for this morning? Listen, we could go with the stuff. We got hot water in the trip house. Long story, we, we, have, we have bad hot water for a long time. Our boiler was failing. Finally, we just brought in the hot water tank and whoo! If we're late for anything, somebody's just stuck in the shower with hot water. 
I praise God for hot water after not enjoying hot, hot water for a long time. And that's okay, but if that's my big praise, that's a problem. If I'm just praising God because he is God and he is kingly and majestic and king of kings and Lord of all that, that's not wrong. Don't misunderstand me. But am I understanding the king of kings is my daddy? And it's not a distant, praise you, king. It's, that's my daddy. You see the difference there? But how about this? He chose me before the foundation of the world to be his forever. This is a crazy picture. I'll tell you what this picture is. If you look closely, it's in the church parking lot right outside the door there. This is before we moved up here, and we were mowing. That's why there was a trailer. And Charlie was still a wee little ass. And so Charlie would have minimal mowing responsibility, and, and he would ride the wheelchair with the legs up. I don't know why. He'd go around the front and come flying down the back. And occasionally, the mop bucket would help to steer. Now, if you know me and I tell you that story, you go, Oh, that makes sense, right? If you don't know me and I tell you that story, you think, I might not want to get to know you too much. The picture here says, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. If you're only looking at a picture out of context and don't know who God is, you could make a hot mess out of that verse, can't you? But if you start all the way back in the beginning with the first picture that you get to see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deeps, and the Spirit of God was hovering. And you work your way through. And you meet a man named Adam and a lady named Eve. And their kids, Cain and Abel, and a little dysfunction in the family. And you see God enter in in the garden after the snake showed up. And we weave our way through, through, through Abram and Noah and Moses and Isaac and Jacob. And we keep going through the prophets. And we come all the way up and we finish with Malachi. Malachi, the Jews call him, not an Italian prophet. And then we have 400 years of silence and all of a sudden we have the incarnation. And our Lord reveals himself to us in so many different ways. I am the bread of life. He's not flaky. I am living water. What does that mean? You're not water? You're solid. No, you're missing the point. I am manna from heaven. No, you're Jesus of Nazareth. No, but he's, no, you see what's going on here. Don't take a picture out of context. Well, this God who dwelled in eternal splendor, who was unapproachable, whose presence came into the temple or the tabernacle behind the Holy of Holies, no one could approach, who would come down upon his mountain and no one but those he called could come up or they would die. 
This God who made all things, who owns all things, who controls all things, this God whose way is perfect, who is holy and just, and no one is righteous, no, not one, this God took this man and chose to save me. Why? Because he delighted too. And if you are saved, it's your story as well. So sometimes we need to turn the noise of life down for just a quick minute. Because we feel the pain of life, right? Jan, Jan's struggling with a husband in the hospital. Jim's struggling with, with diagnoses all over the place. Now Jerry's fine, right? And if you're not dealing with a medical issue, you're dealing with a relational issue. You're dealing with, with, with a mental health issue. You're dealing with a neighborly issue. You're dealing with a monetary issue. You're dealing with life. And life is big and large and scary and looming. And as you deal with life, can we just be frank? You do dumb stuff. Y'all sin. You say rude, stupid, inconsiderate things to people. You neglect to obey God and then you just tell God, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it my way. You and Frank Sinatra. And then it just gets all out of control in your head. And you start thinking, well, how, how can he love me? How can I really be saved? How am I going to survive this? Why would God allow this? Shh. Even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. What should we praise God for? I don't know, that might be sufficient for right this moment. To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So as David sat with the Philistines, who hated the Jews. He's not saying, well, what can flesh do to me? Flesh can mess you up pretty bad, Dave. I don't know if you know that. Someone breaks in your house, you, you sleep in, the door crashes open, you go, oh, well, what can flesh do to me? Well, you're about to find out if you haven't protected yourself properly, right? You meet a schoolyard bully and you're about two foot seven. Well, what can you do to me? Bam! How about them green apples? Flesh can do a lot of stuff to you. But remember when Jesus says, don't fear those who can just kill the body, but he who can both kill and send the body to hell. We, we spin this the wrong way. Imagine the schoolyard bully, you two foot two, comes up and pops you in the nose. And then the schoolyard bully turns around and sees your big brother right there. Mm. You may have a little blood coming down your nose. But you go, because <laughs> you know what's about to happen. Someone breaks into your house, you hear, the, you hear the door shatter, but you know your daddy's upstairs, and, and, and your daddy is, is, is a friend of the Second Amendment, let's just say, and you hear the shotgun clink clack, and you go, what's daddy going to do? Let's say that, that you got a bill due and you can't pay, but you got family with, with cash who loves you very much. You afraid of the bill or are you just going to ask for help? 
Let's say that you got a medical diagnosis that is scary, but you meet a doctor who says, yeah, I, I see what you got. No big deal. I can fix that straight away. How do you leave the doctor's office? You still got the same problem, but you got a different hope. Now you think, well, well, Pastor, it would be nice if Jesus would show up in the schoolyard or be socking the bully in the nose. If Jesus comes in the break-in and he's, he's got the, that sword thing coming out of his mouth, just so you know, Jesus will not have a sword coming out of his mouth when you meet him. That would freak you out, and that's, that's, that's figurative language there. Right? I just don't want people being afraid of Jesus in that way. You might think if you got a cattle on a thousand hill, if I could just have two of them to pay the Verizon bill this month, that might be nice. You know, I, you're a great physician, but, but I mean, like, if you could just lickety-split with Jim so he could take up jogging next week, and, well, we don't want the voice back, but, but a semi-muted voice might be nice. If God loved us, wouldn't he do this? No. Because he could. He might. We can pray for that. But if it was for our best, he absolutely would. So in our minds, we go, well, why wouldn't you? He's not going to tell you right now, but what he will tell you right now is this. Let me read it the right way, because I didn't write the lyrics. Dan Fogelberg did. Longer than there have been fishes in the ocean. Higher than any bird ever flew. Longer than there have been stars in the heavens. I've been in love with you. I've loved you before the foundation of the world, and I haven't stopped loving you now. So trust me. When we hold that before us, we're positioned to fight a battle. Don't misunderstand. It's a battle. Because when you leave here or come Monday morning, life will smack you in the face somehow. Probably won't take till Monday morning, right? You got a house pet, you come home to a problem. You got work, you got to have a problem. You got a boss, you have a problem. If you're the boss, you got more problems. Don't you hate when you find that out? You always want to be the boss, you become the boss, and then... But if we just slow down for a quick minute, and we understand the battle we get to fight joyfully, life is horribly scary at times, and it seems totally out of control, and we do ridiculously dumb stuff, and sometimes we don't even know why. Well, see, in this world, you will have trouble. And Jesus said he has overcome this world. He has overcome your sin. He has made you a new person. He has loved you before the foundation of the world, and he's not going to stop now. Now, I said this is only for believers. But here's the incredible good news for the lost. Anyone can turn to Christ for salvation. Anyone, you say, well, wait, wait, don't they have to be predestined? Just stop. See, you're getting into the nonsense you can't understand. Whoever understands the holiness of God and their sin before him and the fact that they stand condemned and face eternity in hell before him, who understands God is offering terms of surrender through his sacrifice and forgiveness, can cry out to Jesus for new life in him. And what happens is as you're convicted of sin and you ask God to forgive you and you know that he has because you truly asked, 
You get to rejoice because over time you will see that the reason you did it is because God chose you before the foundation of the world and convicted you in sin to show you that love. He showed you who Jesus truly was and caused you to desire to trust in him. What could be grander and greater than this? To be liked and loved by God forever, who does all things perfectly and for the good of those who are his. To the praise of his glorious grace. Now, at some point, you might want me to pick up the speed. I got to warn you, it's not going to happen for a little bit here. Because look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. You know all that bad stuff you've done and continue to do and will do? Well, we'll get to that next time. Let me close with this. One of the hardest things in, in discipling and evangelism and even in the life of a church is we miss so many pictures along the way. This is a, a photo album, if you will. 1,100 and I think 86 chapters. It means a minimum of about 2,000 pictures of this glorious God are here. You don't see them all at once. You don't get a download into your head when you come to faith. But over time, as we fight and struggle together to rightly divide the word of truth and see God for who he truly is, then we begin to behold the joy of not only who God is, but who we are in him. So pay attention as we live life alongside one another. Listen attentively to one another. Speak honestly to one another and help one another not see a picture of God in the wrong way, but frame it the right way in light of who he truly is. So we might rest in who we truly are in him to the praise of his glorious grace. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to see you as you truly are, as you have revealed to us in your word. Help us to behold your glory, to marvel at your majesty, to be in awe of your power and wisdom and grace and mercy, to see your wrath and see your grace perfectly held together upon the cross, to be disgusted by sin in our lives, but see our new identity in Christ so we are not crushed by the weight of our sin, but rejoice in the new life we have in Jesus. Father, help us to flee sin and pursue righteousness, not to earn your favor, but as those who have already received your favor. We are not good people, as Christians, we are actually perfect, positionally perfect before you. And now in this life, we get to fight to live out practically the reality of what we have been made in Christ. But Lord, help us to build on the foundation of the gospel, first and foremost with an understanding of our love for you is not remotely spectacular, but your love for us is. We are able to love you in any way because you loved us first and you loved us perfectly and fully and truly. In fact, while we were still sinners, 
Lord Jesus, you died for us. We are raised in Christ. We are a new creation. Lord Jesus, help us to marvel at your work. Holy Spirit, help us to walk in your power. Father God, help us to delight in the fact that you have chosen to adopt us as sons who will one day rule and reign with Christ. What a beautiful inheritance we have and will have. Lord, may we be a people who delight in praising you for the so many reasons you are worthy of praise. In fact, you alone are worthy of praise. Why you chose us, we don't fully know other than because you delighted to do so. Lord, help us as your people to delight in the fact that you love us forever. And as those who have a security of that love by the power of your spirit, help us to be able to love others, not needing their applause or approval, for we have the full applause and approval of our heavenly Father, God himself. Lord Jesus, we look forward to the day when you gather all of your people together in your presence, where there is, when there is no more sin or hardship or aches or pains or scary things. But we rejoice that that day will certainly come. And as we await that day, I pray that we would enjoy the battle of trusting in you. For Lord, one day we will not be able to fight this battle any longer. We will not walk by faith, we will walk by sight. So Lord, as you bring us home to glory, as you conform us to your image, Lord Jesus, help us to fully understand you mean what you say, you will do all that you promise. And one thing that you have promised us is you love us with an everlasting love in you. To the praise of your glory, in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.